Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. Awesome. If you can do a couple of things at once, turn your Bibles this morning to Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. We are going to be discussing Caleb and the Caleb spirit. How many of you know he had a different spirit? The Lord actually said that about him, that Caleb had a different spirit. Amen. Who's got a different spirit in this room this morning? <laughs> All like three. That's good. That's good. We're going to discuss what a different spirit is. Maybe you know in the, in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit fell corporately. But in the Old Testament, there were individuals that when the Holy Spirit had come upon them, they did things that we think are quite remarkable. But if we look at what they do, these are the same things that we should be doing. And to that I said, Amen, Pastor. Amen. You know it. All right, I better preach. Numbers 14, 24. Now God is speaking here. He's calling Caleb by his name and he's using, I'm going to point it out here, he's using an adjective or an adverb. I want you to understand that Caleb's na name means dog. God is using a play on words here in describing who Caleb is. And I want you to see that it's not the noun dog, but it's doggedness. It's tenaciousness. It's perseverance. It's the, it's the unwillingness to quit. It is the ability to stand with what God has said, even though an entire generation around you would doubt it, and then that entire generation in the process would even die. But you're still believing. So God says, I'm going to rename you. And how many of you know God does that a lot in the Bible? Renaming people. I want you, I want you to see this here. Numbers 14, 24. It says, but because my servant Caleb has a different soul. Uh-uh. No. Because my servant Caleb has a different body, his, his physique is where it's at. His mind and his soul is where it's at. Is that what God says? Because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me, and here's the word that he uses, the adjective or adverb here, wholeheartedly, because he's because of his doggedness. You, you want to know what the distinction is between an everyday spirit most of which in the world is dead and not born again. Do you understand? That when you're, you're born again, your spirit is born again. Your spirit man. So what separates this, this different spirit from an average, everyday spirit is the fact that it's wholehearted. We use a, a word that, well... Some of us use this word today. It's called consecrated. Consecrated means all. It's giving God all. I'll put it to you another way. It's crucifying every no. 
It's never saying no to God, even if you're 85. Even if you're 85 and God's calling you to go back to the promised land and it's filled with giants, and even if you're 85 and God is saying, go ahead and kill him now at 85. Because that's the story we're going to explore this morning. Before you get into your terrible twos and say, I'm too old. Or I'm too young. Or I'm too out of shape. Or I'm too tired. Or I'm too broken. I've sinned too much. That's not the Caleb spirit. That's not the Caleb spirit. The Caleb spirit is dogged. The Caleb spirit says, I'm 85, I'm still alive, and I'm thrive. And I'll take on anything that God puts in front of me because he's already promised it's mine. I'm not going to use a terrible tune. Say, I'm too old. Watch this. It says, he follows me wholeheartedly, and I will bring him into the land he went to. And his descendants will inherit it. A whole generation now is going to be changed because one man believed his God doggedly. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus this morning, I am praying for every person in this room to give up the spirit of give up. To surrender the spirit of surrender. To let go of the spirit that says no to you. In fact, this morning, God, we endeavor to crucify every no. And we say wholeheartedly yes to Christ. And yes to the Father in whatever He would call us to do. And God, it is great things. It is not normal things. It is things we'll need to trust You and rely upon You for. It is things of great faith. Give us another mountain. Give us another giant, Lord. They're already conquered in Jesus' name. Someone said amen. Come on. The children of Israel were promised the promised land. That's why, duh, they call it the... You're smarter than I am. You must have went to seminary before I did. It's called the promised land, but when we get to the promised land, we send in 12 spies. I want to teach on that a little bit. Why send in 12 spies if something's already promised? Think about this for a moment. God already promised it, so why do we need to go in and send 12 spies? You know the 12 spies come back, and they come back with a report. This is what we call a witness. Why, why, why send your son to die on the cross and then send the church out to tell the world of something. Why not just send Jesus again and have him go from town to town to town to town to town to town? Let me tell you something. The Bible is the constitution of the kingdom. You, you understand. We're in, we're in an age today where everybody wants to change the constitution. This is the constitution of the kingdom. You understand that in heaven, this is already done. All of this. But see, on earth, it still requires a witness. This is where you come in. This is where I come in. So the 12 spies, they come back. They have a witness. Ten of them have the wrong witness. And two have the right witness. You know what happened. You remember, 
right? Because of the wrong witness, they wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, before you go painting God with a brush of a cosmic kill cop that he's, that he's in heaven somewhere just wanting to punish people, look at the grace and the mercy of God and the fact that he didn't send them into a land filled with giants because they didn't believe. Can you see the grace of God in that? Look, you guys don't get it. It's already done and it's already been purchased for you and it's promised. But because you won't believe me, that's going to be really hard on you. So it'd be better for you to just go around this mountain in circles and look at your Nike and your, and your Reebok tennis shoes and see that they never wear out than for me to send you in there as fresh meat. I wonder if you can see the mercy and the grace of God in this. So they don't get to go in. But that doesn't mean that it's not promised. It's still promised even though the witness is wrong. And you're going to get a lot of wrong witnesses. Man, I've got a bunch of them. I'll never forget when my, my baby daughter, my firstborn, not my notes, but I'm going to share it anyway. My firstborn is over in Japan right now serving Jesus. Doctors said she wouldn't be born. Doctors said there's too many complications. I had people come up to me in the house of God and say, oh, brother, come here. You just got to deal with it right now. She's not. Get away from me, Satan, or I'll knock you out. Spirit of slap, come all over me. I'm not, don't you come at me with that witness. You know, if God wants to take her, that's his will. But until that happens, I'm going to believe him for more. Don't walk up to me with the wrong witness, man. I, don't, I just don't get it. I slap you. And listen, you ought to slap me too if I walk up to you and tell you something negative. Hey, this is life and death. This, we're not playing around. That's the problem. You see, most Christians, they want to—they think this is a playground. This ain't a playground. It's a battleground. You've you, you got to get on the right side of this thing. This ain't no playground. Monkey bars. And a bunch of monkeys. You're warriors. you got to believe this stuff. This is the constitution of the kingdom. Why do I say that? Psalms 119.89. Forever your word is settled in where? Heaven. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my what? My word shall never pass. John 24, 6. Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know what's interesting about that? He says he's the word. He says he's the truth. And the truth got crucified. And then the truth rose again. You can't beat the truth. It's true whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not. It'll still be true whether you want it to not be true or not. In fact, it's true and it don't even need you to tell it's true. It's still true. <laughs> An entire generation died and only Joshua and Caleb are allowed to go in. And this is what happens. He goes in. I want you to get this. He goes in at 85 years of age. In fact, he, he'll talk. I'm going to read a little bit of his what he said in the Bible in just a moment. But he goes in at 85. See, they wandered for 40 years. Everybody died off. Can, can I tell you this morning, sometimes you got to outlive your critics. That's good for pastors. Oh, you ain't laughing about that. You keep defying what God has called someone to do, and I'll bless you home. 
Oh, it's so quiet. I'll be more than happy to show up and say, it's been a great homecoming. Right? Now, I got so many friends. Thanks for the amen. That's great. He outlived them. They're dropping all around him. And he outlived every one of them. And, and, and God said, look, look, here's the deal. You get to go in now. And so they go back in, and it takes them five years to start to, uh, to divide the land in such a way to know where everybody's going to be. How many of you know when you, when you, have, a, when you have a church potluck, there's, it, it almost takes like five years to get everybody back there to divide the, to, to get into, no, okay, you don't care about that either. I'm trying, Lord, I'm trying. And at the end of five years, Caleb does something cool. He, do, he does something like I, crazy cool. He says, look, everything's been divided up. I'm now 85 years old. Not 80, I'm 85. Um, I'll tell you what I want. I'll tell you the section I want. I want the biggest mountain with the tallest giants on it. This, this, this so happened to be the Anakim. Let me, let me just teach for your notes. The Anakim means heavy chain, heavy neck weight. This is the same word used for what slaves would put around, would have around their neck. It was so heavy. Listen, listen. It was so heavy. It was so weighty. It was so burdensome that when you had that around your neck, you couldn't run far. And it's almost like God is saying, you know what, you can have the spirit of faith or you can have the heavy spirit of fear. Fear is not a light spirit. By the way, fear is a spirit. You know? It's not light either. It'll weigh you down so much that it will stop you from making any type of real move in faith. You'll be exhausted just to move under a spirit of fear. That's why we read in the Bible that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. But he starts with the first word. It, it's not love that he first hit, but a spirit of what? Because it's a heavy weight. Come on, church. But of power and of love and of... You see, once the weight's lifted, now you can love. The biggest fear you'll ever face in your life is to love someone. Just try to love somebody. It's really, really hard. But, but, but listen, it doesn't have to be. It, it, God can lift that weight. And, and, and so God says, I'm going to send you in. You get to go in. You get to pick. And he says, yeah, give me the tallest hill with, uh, with the giants with the neck weights. Because, you know, the bigger they are, the... Right on cue. Don't get offended, but there's a guy here that's related to, to Caleb. It's his father. His name is Jephunneh. It sounds like a disco dance, but it basically, his name means come back and see. Ironically, he never comes back. He never sees. He never gets to see what his son sees. He names his son Dog. God names him Doggedness. His son gets to come back and see the great power of God and the promises of God. 
Jephunneh never sees it. He doesn't believe. He dies with those that would not believe and trust God. Isn't that sad? It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be that way. What kept him back? We know that the spies came back with a report, but they also came back with evidence, didn't they? They came back with these big poles, and they were laden down with grapes, right? I mean, these grapes were so big. I mean, I, I think about I think you want to see big grapes. I think about the old Frutal Loom commercials. You remember that big grape guy? He's, it's my impression of it. You know what I'm talking about, Greg? Yeah. Not the Michelin man, but the big grape guy. He's, buddy, tiny. Big grapes, man. And they come back and, you know, I want the sweet things of God. The problem is, is that the grapes are growing with giants. That's the problem. On purpose. God, God allows the giants to be in the same place as the, I want the grapes. I don't want the giants. I want the grapes. But God says, I'm leaving the giants there so that I can deal with your spirit. The grapes deal with your flesh and your soul. You feel good after eating a good grape, don't you? Especially the seedless ones, man. The ones with seeds, it's like, you know, that's gross. Do you eat the seedless grapes? Like five people. I wonder this morning, do I have a friend? Like one. I want the grapes, but I don't want those big dudes. I don't want the giants. They were in the same place. And you know what? Jephunneh said, hey, listen, that ain't for me. Son, That you might see that, but that ain't for me. And what happens is, Caleb, in his spirit, knows that he's got to face giants. Not just for the sake of the grapes, but because the promises of God are yes and amen. And he says, God, if you said yes, I'll be the amen. Now, you know, they came back and they said, yeah, those grapes are great, but we're just grasshoppers, right? Do you remember what they said? Grasshopper. We grasshopper. David Carradine, is that right? So we come back, we're gra- hey, how do grasshoppers fight? They don't. They got two defense mechanisms. You know what grasshoppers do? They jump and they spit tobacco juice. You ever chase them as a kid and try to pick them up? And they're like, oh, man, this ain't any fun. You wait for me, bug. And they spit all over you tobacco juice, right? You know what most Christians are doing? Not walking in faith. They're jumping in fear and spitting. Doubts, spitting out lies, spitting out gossip, tobacco juice. That's what we called it as a kid. What's coming out of your mouth? Well, you know, I, uh, I'm really the king of my castle until I get home. And, and then there's my wife and, she don't love me the way that I want her to. You're grasshopper. Hey man, that's not that's not conqueror talk. That's not the right that's not the right spirit. That's not the right heart. Or you're jumping away from the fight when you should be dogged, when you should be persevering, you should be tenacious. How does a giant win? A giant wins by forfeit. You know. All you got to do is just not, in God's plan, is just not show up to the game. 
Are you with me? Because the game's already won. The scoreboard already shows home team won the game. Right now, you're wondering, what's he doing right now? I'm just giving Elizabeth a little prize for helping me last week. There you go, Miss Elizabeth. Give her a hand. <laughs> so, if you don't show up to the game, you lose. That's why you lose, because you didn't show up. It's not because you didn't play the game well, or you can't play the game better than the other team, and you can't, can't hit the ball better than the other team. Listen, all, all of the runs have already been scored. The game's already over. All you got to do is show up and get the trophy. And it's not a participation prize. Come on. It's already won. And that's how this works. That's how God has designed this thing. He calls it the promised land, but he also calls it rest. That ought to bake your noodle. You're calling the same place that's full of trouble rest. Well, yeah, because the game's already won. Yes, amen. Where do I go from here? Oh, boy. So God says, you know, I want you to go in and I want you to have my rest. And I'm going to kind of break that down where we, we're going to land on that in just a second and end the message. But I want you to see that it's already yours, that the promises are already provided for. It, it's already yours for the taking. But just as we look at the promised land as something that had to be occupied, the promises of God in your life have to be occupied too. You, if you run and you spit, they're not yours. You can't have them if you jump away. And by the way, you may love the grapes, but grasshoppers don't eat grapes. You may want the sweet things of God, but in order to do them, you're going to and have them, you're going to have to occupy his promises. And sometimes that means outliving a lot of people until you see it. Amen. Is that is that good enough? Is that, is that going to be okay? So 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 God calls him in. He says, you, you know, you can have this. And even if you're old, you can have this. And I'm not picking on anybody this morning. I'm not picking on anybody. But I want to talk about how it works. Look at this. A different spirit looks like this. Joshua 14, 7. Caleb says this. Imagine he's talking to us. He says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Gitesh Barina to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord God and he mentions his name here wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that your children and, and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord, my God, here it is again, wholeheartedly. And in verse 10, it says, now then, just as the Lord had promised, he has kept me alive for 45 more years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. And I'm still as strong as I, still as strong today as I was the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out and battle now as I was then. Now give me the hill country 
that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites, the Anakin, were there. And their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord, (laughs) He's helping me. And I will drive them out just as He said. What a stud! Eighty-five years old, and I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm ready for battle, man. I'm not giving up. I'm still the same dogged guy that I was 45 years ago. Now next year, believe it or not, this specimen of health that you see before your eyes will turn 50. I don't know whether you're, I don't know why you're clapping. I'm going to be careful. I don't know what what to do with that. But okay, I think it's, yeah, I'm glad you're still alive. It's really good. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Me too. 50 more, amen. Thank you, brother. And I'm learning from you. I am Joe Brown. I'm learning from your testimony, your life. You've got the Caleb spirit. I've spent time with you. I know your spirit. And every time I pray with you, it's positive. It's faith. You pray in the Holy Spirit and you trust your God, regardless of what you've been through. I love being around you, Joe Brown. You're awesome, man. I love you. (laughs) So so next year I'm going to be 50. Here's what that means. For you, okay? That that means that means I can get away with anything I want, right? That means I don't have to work. That means I'm gonna now. Come on, you, you no. Oh, I'm not a senior yet. Okay, yet. So 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 as soon as I turn fifty, I get to I get to relax, right? I get to chill out. I'm just gonna take advantage. Hey, I'm so glad you're here to pay my salary for the next thirty years. Don't get uncomfortable. Come on. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take it easy, man. You know? Cause I'm 50. Used to be this, uh, used to be this, uh, character on Saturday Night Live. She says, I'm 50. I can kick. <laughs> You're not gonna let me get away with that, are you? There's no excuse for right now because you draw breath. There is no excuse for this church to not have victory. No excuse. No excuse. Well, I've done it for 30 years. Do it 30 more. Well, you know, I'm a little too old and I'm a little too this and I'm a little too that. Listen, how about this? How about we change the twos to this? How about me too in the right way? Pastor, I'm called to. Pastor, I'm going to serve to. Pastor, I'm going to teach to. Pastor, I'm going to get out in the community and I'm going to love on people too. You say, can God do that through me? That's why you're still vertical. As soon as He's done with you, you'll be horizontal. But until you're horizontal, (laughs) be vertical. Mr. Tom, how long you been pe- teaching? How long you been teaching? 
You, you grow peach, peaches. How long? You've been teaching. You've been teaching Sunday school for fifty years. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, man. That's the Caleb spirit. So you know, we heard this testimony earlier from Jeb, from this missionary, that we can do all things. And Jesus said that, but Paul said it too in Philippians 4.13. He said, we, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, and, and you can too, and there's no excuse for not doing it. You just have to have the right spirit. You've got to have the Holy Spirit. When you've got, when you've got to hold the Spirit of God, you no longer look at your limitations. You no longer look at these situations in your life and you say, I can't do it. You've got to stop saying, I can't. You've got to open up a can. And you got to do it on the devil. And you got to tell him, I'm taking the high hills. Don't think small. Don't think little, tiny. I'm taking the big stuff. I'm doing the big stuff. Why? Because it's all promised and it's all rest. Now, here I need to land the plane because I've been goofy. I need to land the plane. I like how Hebrews 4.1, it looks back to this moment about the promised land. And the writer of Hebrews says this, Therefore, since a promise remains. It's not just about back then, in the good old days, when God really moved at church. It says, therefore a promise remains of entering into His rest. Let us fear lest any of you should seem to have come short of it. In other words, the writer of Hebrews is drawing a contrast to this moment where the children of Israel would not enter into God's rest because they were weight watchers instead of faith walkers. They were seeing the weight of the giants and the bondage around their neck and the weight that that all carried and a spirit of fear weighed them down to not entering in. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, the promise still remains for you and I to enter in. And he calls it rest. How do you enter in? It's, it's crazy, but it's, but it's rest. He's saying, look, my, my son's paid for it. My son's already fought the battle. My son's already gone in. My son's already prepared the place. All you've got to go in and do is occupy it. And it'll be a place of rest. Doesn't it boggle your mind that in the, in the Old Testament, in the creation narrative, we find that the only day that God blessed was the day of rest? Have you ever read in the Old Testament? Every one of the days he said, this is good, this is good. Last day, very good. Or before the last day, creation of man and Eve, very good. And then on the last day, the seventh day, he rested, and that was the day he blessed. You see, you, you want to be blessed, but you don't want to rest. You say, God, I can do it. God, I can, I, God, I can do it. I can, I can strive and sweat and struggle. And that's how I'll get there. God says, well, go right ahead, you know. And as soon as you're wore out, come back to me. You know, as soon as you're tired, we'll get there. Isn't it, isn't it odd to you? Have you ever watched in, in your reading of the New Testament of the healings of Jesus Christ that he did a majority of his healings on the Sabbath? Almost to like poke the Pharisees right in the eye. And sometimes when I read these things, I almost wonder to myself, is God, God, are you trying to say something to us? Is there a pattern here? Is it that when I rest, you get to work? 
Is it? You give God a little praise. Well, a little. God is, are you saying that if I'll just rest in you and just trust in you and occupy those promises, even if it takes another 45 years, you're up to a lot of good. And God, you're going to do the work. And you've done the work while I rest. I like this, God. I like what he has for us. Can I give you just some quick examples in the Old Testament? So how did Jericho fall? A lot of working, right? Worship brought that down. Oh, that's tough. Pastor, I can barely sing. Ryan's smiling at me. 135,000 Midianites conquered by 300 Israelites without a shot being fired. They turned on themselves. Well, that sounds like a lot of stress. A lot of struggle, a lot of strain, a lot of work. The entire Philistine army being led by a giant and being taken out by a shepherd boy with a stone. Oh, my. Is there, is there an occurrence in the Bible where God looks at your strength and says, that's what I need? Or is every one of these stories telling us something about occupying the promises of God and staying there while he gets the work done. We rest. He works. Awesome. Okay, so, so, I don't want to get too deep, but you know how I love how the Bible constantly preaches Jesus. So I want to leave you with Jesus, not with me. I want to leave you with Jesus. He's, he's good. And, and, and so Jesus even said, hey, you guys, you know those scriptures you've been literally memorizing? You know the ones, you know the Torah that you memorize every word? Five books of them? Um, they all speak of me. All that stuff is talking about me. So can I do that one more time today before we go home? Because at the end of the story, it gets even better. Because here's what we find out. Caleb goes and whips the Anakin. And that's so cool. That is cool. I wish I could have been there to see it. Hollywood don't put out the right movies. I want to see an 85-year-old dude doing some whooping. Come on, dude. You know what I'm talking about, Wade? I'd go see that right now. Took him out, man. These big old dudes are just whooping him. But it don't stop there. See, he's got a daughter. Say, he got a daughter. She's a pretty one. She's a pretty girl. I'm going to read this story to you in Judges 1.12. Then Caleb said, whoever attacks, now there was a group of giants left, and there was a city left. And he says, whoever attacks the sepher and takes it, to him will I give my daughter, Achai, as a wife. And Othniel, say Othniel, the son of Kenaz, that was Caleb's younger brother. So it would be his nephew, all right? Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, took it. And so he gave him his daughter, Asha, as his wife. Oh, let's have some fun. Let's just have us a ball. Are you ready, Skidaddy? Put your seatbelt on. This is the whole story of the gospel. 
It's the whole story of the promises of God. It is the, it is the picturesque background of how God brings about every one of the great promises He has offered for you and for I. Caleb says, I don't want just anybody marrying my little girl. Come on, men of God. Okay. Come on, papas. That's my baby. I have two of them. And I love them. And when those two son-in-laws came into my life, I still don't like them, really. I, it's, it's tough. I, I, I tell her sometimes, she's like, stop it. They're our family. And I'm like, no, I don't like you. <laughs> but they're good. They love Jesus. They're great, you know. It's just natural, you know. I'm, just, I'm a guy, you know. But here's what Caleb says. Before I put you with my daughter, I need to know, will you be a man of God? Will you believe God and His promises the way that I did? And in the way that I'm going to see it is I'm going to see which man will walk out by faith and do what nobody else has the courage to do and kill giants. And Othniel says, your daughter is hot. I'm, I'm feeling a giant killer coming on. And some of you are like, you can't say hot in church, Pastor. You can't say that. You can't say that. Are you breathing? It's the truth. So he goes out and does actually what his uncle does and wins and wins Asaph. Here's the cool story. His name, Othniel, it means this. Watch this. It means courage or lion L of God. He is also from the tribe of Judah. And his father puts out the edict, if you want my bride, if you want to be the bridegroom, you got to go fight for her. And Jesus, by the way, Othniel was the first judge. And judges, some say there's 15 of them, but Jesus is the last judge. <laughs> and, and, and I want you to see, he is the lion from the tribe of Judah that said, Daddy, I'll go get my bride. But first, but first, I'll defeat everything that my bride is up against. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. But it gets even better. Say, but wait, there's more. You just want to go home for lunch. I'm looking at your faces already. You're just like, I'm done. All right. Does he get very far? Verse 15a. Watch this. The daughter comes back to the father and says, give me a blessing. Since you've given me land, she didn't, she didn't, she didn't fight the battle for that land. She rested. Othniel. Othniel paid the price. Othniel, the lion, the tribe of Judah, paid the price. But, but she says, Father, since you've given me the land in the south, give me also springs of water. And, and, and you know what the Bible says? The Bible says Caleb gave it to her. And then even more. And, and then I see Jesus coming and saying, you have not because you ask not. You can come to the Father and ask anything in my name. 
Not in your name. In His name. You are the bride of Christ. Every promise that is in the constitution of the kingdom is yours because Jesus Christ came and fought the giant of sin, fought the devil, conquered him, made took captivity and made captivity captive, drew him through the streets. His train fills the temple, the Bible says. What is a train? A train is when a conqueror comes in and he has attached to him all of the robes of those that he has conquered. Your God is such a conqueror that he's already defeated every giant that will ever stand before you. You are the bride of Christ. And you can literally come to the Father with the constitution of the kingdom and say, Hey, Daddy, could I get water with that land? And he looks at his son and says, Because of the work and because of what he's done, yes. Yes. What is it? What is it that's stopping you from believing God for more? Do you think in the last year, these few things that we've seen happen are where it's going to stop? We could have testimonies for the next three weeks of just the stuff that's happened in this church in the last year. There's a song that came out in the 70s. You ain't seen nothing yet. God is up to good. And He's looking for His bride. He's looking for His bride that will come in and rest and occupy what His Son's already provided. Would you stand with me in prayer? I'm going to have the worship team go ahead and play a song. I'm going to have my deacon close you in prayer. I want to say this morning to you, prophetically, God is not finished. He's not done blessing you. Don't think they're possible are just the things that it's called you to. And the things that you think are too big and too heavy and too much, that you're too weak for and too old for or too young for, God says those are just the things that I want to take you to and give you. You're my God, says the Lord. And I shut my mouth.